Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Friday, June the 8th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, more beef in Dolphin land. This time, a former player taking shots at a current player. We'll discuss all of that, as well as Sports Illustrated's 2018 record predictions. And a prominent division rival gets hit with a four-game suspension. We'll talk about that and wrap up the week that was here on Locked On Dolphins. But first... I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review once you are there. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFans and check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all your daily written Dolphins content needs. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast. And before we get going today, I have a couple of personal notes for you guys I wanted to drop on the podcast. We won two more games in softball. We are just cruising along right now. Basically, the Golden State Warriors of our softball league. We've got a bunch of Division I players, former high school stars, all-state performers, that type of thing, just destroying our league right now. It's really not that much fun, to be honest with you guys. It's fun until we get three or four innings into the game, and the other team kind of gives up because it's already 15-5 to or whatever the score is at that point. And then the last point I wanted to make for you guys before we start the podcast today was I, we got an email from the owner of Locked On, David Locke. He is a play-by-play guy for the Utah Jazz. He started all this stuff, gave me this wonderful opportunity to do this. And the reason he sought me out was because I was starting another podcast back with my co-host then, Kevin Dern, after the Finalysis podcast, the X's and O's podcast with the guys at Perfectville, where I wrote for about a year. And that was, I don't know, my sixth or seventh writing job that I had with the, with the Miami Dolphins as a fan site and for different websites across the internet. And I was a casual fan growing up. I I mean, I loved the game, don't get me wrong, but I just didn't really know much about it as a kid. Got older, got into writing, and then really took off from there when I was 18 years old. Got my first writing gig with a site called The Finsider. Not that Finsider, a different Finsider. And then I just continued to get more and more work with it. It was Finheaven, thefins.com, different message boards. And then I got into Perfectville with Sam and Chris back in 2016. And that was after a couple of years off from doing all of it. And then... David Locke came knocking from the Lockdown Sports Network, and he said, do you want to do the podcast, and we're going to eventually start a website. And I told him, well, writing is my background. I, I podcast on the side. Writing is my background. That's my passion. That's what I'm really good at. And he said, well, perfect, because we're going to start FanRag Sports. It's going to be association with Lockdown Sports, and we're going to have all that stuff. And here we are, a year into it, just about. And we're the number one blog in the network, LockedOnDolphins.com. The podcast has grown exponentially. I cannot... I just cannot express my gratitude enough to you guys how much it means to me for how much this podcast has grown. But those are my credentials. That's who I am. I've been doing this for a long time now. I'm 30 years old, been doing it for over a decade. So that's my my spiel to you guys. Why you check out the podcast. It is a daily podcast, 20 minutes, 25 minutes per day. And this is the kind of stuff you're going to get is just pure insight, news, nothing off the field except for the, the beef stuff we're going to get to. But like as far as the anthem goes and all of that stuff that you guys probably don't want to hear about, I don't cover that. I cover the game itself. I cover this team and everything that goes around goes on around this team. So that's what we're doing here on the podcast. Let's go ahead and kick this thing off and stop talking about myself and get into some football here for the Friday edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins 
So I record the episodes a day before I post them, as you guys know by now, and this is Thursday. I'm recording this podcast, and the OTA practice today was canceled as the players went out to Top Golf, hanging out together, or at least I saw Quentin Poling and Kiko Alonso were out there at Top Golf because Poling tweeted a picture of or a video of Kiko taking a tee shot, Happy Gilmore style. And there is one more week of voluntary workouts left to happen. That's next week, and that'll start on Tuesday. But given the attendance of the voluntary workouts before the mandatory workouts this week, it just it should be another beneficial week to the Dolphins because everyone shows up there for this stuff. So a good team environment, a good week of practice, and then the players are off until the last week in training camp. And then that's when the season officially really starts. I mean, especially for me, covering the team in training camp, I'm going to be doing this every single day with you guys. I'll be having the live podcast probably out like right after I record it in the mornings. I'll post it up for you guys for practice reports and all that stuff. Going to be a really fun summer. The first full summer where I feel completely comfortable on this podcast because last August I was getting into it, into the preseason games, and I was just getting my feet wet and trying to get a feel for the lay of the land. But that's all ahead and coming forward. We are only like seven weeks away from that happening, so I'm very excited for all that. But don't want to skip summer too quick. And speaking of summer, it was supposed to be one of these summer days that was slower and not much going on, but we have some news coming today out of Cleveland as former Dolphins wide receiver Jarvis Landry took some pot shots at our quarterback, our boy, our pariah coming back from the injury, Ryan Tannehill, in an article that I literally, I just can't find the damn thing. I've typed in on Google, I've looked on Twitter, I can't find the origin of this article, but it's been picked up by all these major outlets, NFL.com, every single paper in South Florida, the USA Today, all these articles have been, or all these publications are picking up this article about some comments Travis Landry made towards Ryan Tannehill. And there are two factions of this article and people are really pointing towards the bottom faction where Landry backpedaled and goes back into praising Tannehill and even Jay Cutler saying, I love Jay Cutler. I, I, I loved him. Like it, it, it read to me so disingenuous because you can't just start off something like that, taking these shots and then backpedal your way into saying something nice to try to, I guess, negate the landscape or even things out. And that doesn't work for me. It didn't work for him. So let's go ahead and read the comment he said here. The quarterback play is so important, which has got me that much more excited about Tyrod and Baker Mayfield and the way they're throwing the ball out here. It makes me that much more excited. Quote, it's a lot better than what I had in Miami. I'm excited about that. End quote. Did you... Maybe he's excited about Tyrod Taylor because he saw the Bills games against the Dolphins because those are the only times that Tyrod Taylor looked like a really elite-level franchise quarterback. Outside of that... Go back and chart his games. That's what I did in 2016. I made a determination that he was one of the 25th, 26th best quarterbacks in the league. It's not hard to see. The guy is very inaccurate in the short to intermediate, which is hilarious to me because that's where Ryan Tannehill, or that's where Jarvis Landry excels so much is in the short to intermediate. And Tyrod Taylor cannot throw in short areas whatsoever. He is His footwork is bad. His shoulders, his mechanics and shoulders and hips, everything is not in line. It just does not look good. It does not look clean. He's often off target. He doesn't process very well. His next read after the first read is to take off and start to run. There's a reason he doesn't turn the ball over very often because he doesn't take very many chances. And that's why the Bills offense has been so conservative and so doldrum over the years because it's a run-based offense that's very conservative. And so I guess it works well for Landry in that sense that he's going to throw a bunch of dink and dunk to him, but he's not accurate in that area. So that pot shot really bothered me. And then he came out and said this too. As soon as I found out he was coming, I texted him the next day in regards to Tyrod Taylor about getting ready to work. Let's do it, he says. Found out when he was coming up here. We all came up here for the press conference. We did the press conference. Then we did the thing in Miami where we got everybody together, and then we're back here, and we've got something else planned when I leave right before training camp, stuff like that. Again, I didn't do that in Miami with the quarterbacks because they did not want to do it. Where did you find that, Jarvis? How do you figure that? Because we have evidence of 
multiple times of you catching passes from Ryan Tannehill in the spring that was not organized by the team. It was organized by Ryan Tannehill himself. He did it again this offseason. I have tweets from 2016, from 2015, from Ryan Tannehill getting the team together and doing these throwing sessions. What are you talking about? Why? Why? Why all this salt and why all this venom? It just is frustrating beyond belief. And like I said, he comes back and he talks about how I love Jay Cutler and Ryan Tannehill was playing so well in 2016. Too late, man. You already put yourself, you already put your foot in your mouth there. So it just really bothered me today. It's really annoying that he would take these pot shots. He is clearly, clearly feeling some venom towards the Miami Dolphins and not getting that contracting. And I would be too. Getting traded to Cleveland must suck. They, they won one game in the last two years, one and 31. So there's your punishment, Juice. I hope you enjoy your time in Cleveland. Because, as we have heard before, that he was not the best locker room presence. And it makes total sense that he was friends with Odell Beckham or is best friends with Odell Beckham. Because those two guys are completely selfish players. Alright guys, enough about Jarvis Landry. He is an ex-Dolphin. Although the show is going to continue down the path of Dolphins-related news. But not necessarily all Miami Dolphins. We'll get to that next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. At Wingfield NFL. At Lockdown Fins. All right, moving on to segment number two in the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I stepped away for a minute, grabbed some water, and got a breather because that last segment got me fired up a little bit. Let's go ahead and and change gears here towards a topic that's positive for the Miami Dolphins because it is negative for a division rival. Julian Edelman, who tore his ACL last August, comes back to the team and gets hit with a four-game suspension for performance-enhancing drugs, probably trying to get himself back from that injury. So he has a four-game suspension. And the Dolphins play the Patriots in Week 4 up in Foxborough. So if he doesn't win an appeal that gets that suspension reduced, which I fully expect him to because these these suspensions typically go down from four games to either two or three games, I'm sure that'll happen. But nonetheless, Edelman suspended for now. And the other news that I wanted to get to today was a Sports Illustrated column that was written today talking about record predictions for every team this year. And they gave the Miami Dolphins a remarkable three wins out of 16 games. So a 3-13 and 13 mark and one game worse than the Indianapolis Colts. Despite the fact that the entire blurb on the Dolphins was written with the caveat that the reason he feels they're going to win three games is because they're counting on Ryan Tannehill and Brock Osweiler and Bryce Petty and David Fells are the backups. And he doesn't trust Ryan Tannehill to stay healthy. But then he gave the Colts another a four and twelve record, which is not good. Don't get me wrong, four and twelve is terrible. But he gave the Colts another win over the Dolphins, and Andrew Luck hasn't thrown a football in over five hundred days. So I just I don't get that. I'm not going to get it. He talked more about losing a Dominican Sue and Jarvis Landry. Mentioned Mike Pouncey once again. Who go back and watch the tape? Mike Pouncey has not been a good player for a long time now. He finally played sixteen games for the first time in his career or the first time in the last five years last year, didn't practice all year. That's why he was consistently beat on certain different types of moves and quick moves and finesse moves. He's had pro- he's had problems with power in the past, a lot of penalties last year. So the entire basis of that argument, we won't, I mean, I got back into it, but we won't, we won't continue to go down that road because I've talked about it so much. But it just continues to be the national perception this team is bad because we lost those three players and Ryan Tannehill has an injury. So that's the news on that. And the Julian Edelman stuff wanted to get me talking about the AFC East a little bit, taking some inventory because I haven't talked much about the other teams in the division. And as the season draws closer, that's something we probably should get into here. And I will have a series up on LockdownDolphins.com called Know the Enemy, where I break down everyone we're playing this year from start to finish and give you an idea of what to expect in those games. Let's go ahead and get into the Bills and Jets. And the reason I'm doing this is because... For the for this team to go to the playoffs every year, it always comes down to how they fare against the Jets and the Bills. 
and that doesn't change this year. I talked about it in 2016, how the Dolphins, if they want to go to the postseason, they have to go 4-0 against the Bills and Jets. They did that. They go to the playoffs. I said the same thing again in 2017. They go 1-3, and and they miss the playoffs by a bunch of games. So it's always these Jets and Bills games that get us. We have to be at least 3-1 and in order to proceed into the playoffs or have a chance to get into the playoffs. Could they pick the Pats off again? Maybe. I, I mean, I wouldn't count on it, but I do think that bat, the Pats are slightly coming back to earth and the end is probably in sight, just not this year. But talking about the Bills, I've, I've seen some tweets today talking about them and, and Ian Wharton can back me up on this. They have like a college level offense, whether it's Nathan Peterman or Josh Allen. There is nobody on the outside to be a game breaker. The offensive line got worse. Eric Wood, Richie Incognito, and Cordy Glenn all gone off that football team. LaShawn McCoy is carrying the, the entire all of the weight of that offense. The defense is pretty good. The secondary is very good. Their strong, their defensive coaching staff is very good, but they're going to have a hell of a time scoring points this year, and they don't defend the run particularly well. I think it's going to be a very tough year for the Bills. Typically, when you have that one upswing that the Bills had last year, and they got lucky in a lot of games to get to that 9-7 and seven mark, to get into the playoffs there, you typically have a bit of a, a dip after that, and we saw that last year with Miami. That's why I think the Bills are going to be dead last in this division this year. I think it's going to be a very, very tough year for the Bills. They are the ones that should be considered a 3-13 and team, not the Miami Dolphins. As for the New York Jets, I just, again, on the offense, no one there that really concerns me. I don't, I'm don't. i not that worried about Sam Darnold. I, just, I wasn't that big of a fan of his. I think Terrell Pryor is an okay player, but, you know, once again, not someone that's going to really push them over the top. And Josh McCown's a pretty good player, pretty good quarterback. He played very well last year, and he shows that he can beat the Dolphins last year as well. So if, if the Dolphins want to have any type of chance of getting back to the postseason, they're going to have to take care of these two teams because as much crap as the Dolphins get talked about them throughout the course of the national media, throughout the course of the offseason, these teams are much worse on paper, and the Dolphins should take care of business against these teams. And anything less than – really, if it's if it's less than 4, no, that's not good. But let's be a little bit more realistic and say that 3-1 and one is – I suppose, realistic expectations for this team against these two teams. And if they want to get to the postseason, that has to be the very, very minimum for them in the AFC East. So we're going to talk about all of the teams on LockedOnDolphins.com. I'll have it on the podcast as well. We'll start with the Titans and then go down the list. Jets, Raiders, Patriots, Bengals, and so on and so forth. We have one more segment for this podcast today to wrap up the week on Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkful NFL at Locked On Fins. You guys are probably either pulling into work or leaving work or getting ready to be home or doing a workout or whatever it is. You listen to the podcast. We really appreciate it. But we have one last segment here on a very surprisingly busy week. I knew we had the mandatory mini camps, but there was a lot more that went down than I really expected. We've got pieces up on LockedOnDolphins.com, giving you guys all the news and nuggets from camp. Of course, the Ryan Tannehill charting project pushes on. And I wanted to give you guys a couple of positive notes heading into the weekend regarding that Ryan Tannehill charting project, something that I've noticed as I am now officially through the Niners game. So I have the Ravens game, the, not looking forward to doing that one. And then the Cardinals game left to do where he gets hurt. So two games not really too excited about getting into, but I'm through the Niners game where he played very well in that one. The comeback against the Rams played very well against the Chargers as well. So I have several games under my belt. And there's three things I wanted to make notes of here. First is the accuracy. I saw somebody on Twitter today say that Ryan Tannehill is not an accurate passer. And I just, it bothers me. I don't know where that idea comes from because I'm over here charting plays and I have, whether it's a completion, a drop, an off-target throw, a pass breakup, an interception, or a touchdown, I chart all those and every single game, his highest miss rate was five passes where he had five off-target passes. And that's a lot. That's not good. A quarterback has to do better than that. But on average, it's usually two or three passes. The Niner game, he had one miss pass. It's just, he doesn't miss open throws when he has a clean pocket. If he doesn't have pressure, he's phenomenal. You guys know that by now. 
But then also something I noticed was the personnel groupings that they called in that season. They were starting to get a lot more flexible as time went on. You can see Ryan Tannehill getting more and more comfortable in the offense to allow them to do that, whether it was 13 personnel shifting out to a 3 by 2 empty set where there's no running back back there, ball comes out quickly, whether it was in 12 personnel with guys flexed out or, you know, 11 personnel with a trips bunch tight set, whatever it was, there was so much variety going on at that point in the season that wasn't there early on that it makes me confident going into 2018 that they're going to be able to pick up where they left off. And they probably were going to do that in 2017 as well before he got hurt. And then something else that goes along with him getting more comfortable in the personnel packaging and being able to operate all this stuff is how fast he processes things. He was able to pick things up quicker as the year went on, able to account for those robbers, able to account for the blitz where he would go on the wheeler route to the running back or a quick slant pass, whatever it was, he was making, he had full autonomy at the line of scrimmage, was making all the right calls and getting them into good plays, getting his protections fixed. It just looked much sharper and much more clean as the year went on. So all in all, I think it's going to be a very fun year to watch a much, much better offense than we've had in a long time because our trigger man is finally comfortable in the scheme and he's talented enough to do it. You guys know he can make all the throws. We heard Jeff Darlington talk about it on the podcast when he was on. He's seen everything in this league. He's 30 years old. Nothing is going to surprise him anymore. And it is finally, truly his team. It is so apparent that it is his team. And he's the kind of guy that I think will finally seize that opportunity. And that is going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. You guys be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Please follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and follow our flagship show at Locked On NFL on both Twitter and Facebook. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a terrific weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday with Ryan Smith of ProFootballFocus.com for an additional Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.